Everything had been going along just fine until someone just had to go out and get a job. Okay, so there was the occasional pang of guilt for abducting a baby. But everything else had fallen into place for Gloria Williams. After all, the police never came for her like she envisioned some 16 years earlier, after she walked into a Jacksonville, Florida hospital on July 10, 1998, and walked out with a baby, a baby born only hours earlier to 16-year-old Shannara Mobley. Gloria and the newborn were long gone by the time police were even summoned to University Medical Center. So she named the newborn Alexis and raised her into a wonderful young woman. They loved spending time together in Walterboro, South Carolina. They had the same nice traits. So why would anyone suspect Alexis Kelly Manigo wasn't Gloria's daughter? It was really working. Or was it? For some time, Alexis had been pestering Gloria for her social security card and birth certificate. She wanted to get a job, and to get that, she needed her official records. Gloria didn't say no. Instead, she brushed it off. She would continue to throw money Alexis's way, pay for her hair, her nails, anything to keep her happy, to make her stop asking for those records. But Alexis was 16. She wanted more than money. She wanted independence. And to get that, she wanted a job. So Alexis's stepsister, Erica Williams, told her about an opening at a Shoney's restaurant where she knew the manager. Alexis headed over to the restaurant. It was just four miles from the family's house on a quiet road in Walterboro. She asked if she could be the cashier, they handed her a uniform and hired her on the spot. Come back the next day with your documents, she was told. So the day she got her first job offer, Alexis went home to share the news with her mom. Gloria didn't know what to say. Then the fear, the dread, the nagging guilt all came flooding back. From the Florida Times Union, this is Have You Seen Kamaya? I'm Eileen Kelly, an investigative reporter for the Times Union and Jacksonville.com. I've been telling you the story of Kamaya Mobley, the newborn baby kidnapped from a Jacksonville hospital on July 10, 1998. If you're joining us for the first time, I recommend you go back and listen to our previous episodes in order. We'll see you soon. Episode 4, The Secret Alexis was 16 years old, and Gloria could see how excited she was to have her first job. But now she needed her birth certificate and her social security card. Gloria had all that, but it would be risky for Alexis to hand over the documents to an employer. It was another chance for someone to figure out they were fake. It was time to come clean. That's when I told her. I, I started crying. And she was like, what's wrong? I said, sit down. I have to tell you something. 
I said, sit down, I have to tell you something. And uh, we were outside on the front porch. And uh, I told her, I said, you're not my daughter. I said, I took you a long time ago. And uh, she didn't understand. So Gloria grabbed a cell phone. She started jabbing her fingers on the screen's keyboard. Jacksonville. Florida. Abduction. Hospital. 1998. And up came a rendering of an eight-hour-old newborn by the name of Kamaya Mobley. The flyer said the baby was stolen from a Jacksonville hospital on July 10, 1998. The same day and year Alexis celebrated her birthday. And I showed her, she said, that doesn't look like me. And I said, yeah, that's you. All this time, no one ever suspected, ever knew about Gloria's secret. Not her parents, not her husband, not her brothers, her sisters, her friends, her pastor. Nobody knew. I kept the secret to myself. Nobody knew. Nobody. That was my secret. Nobody knew. And now someone else knew. The young woman who went by Alexis but was born Kamaya. It's not exactly clear how much Gloria told Alexis on that first day. About the 14 hours she wandered around a Jacksonville hospital before stealing her and tucking her away in her purse. How she drove off on the interstate that day, out of Jacksonville, and across state lines. How at her home she kept a secondary diaper bag in the closet next to the door. One that would go with the police when they found Kamaya and left to take her to her real home. About how Gloria waited every day for her secret to be discovered. But it never was. Did no one care anymore? Or was she, a novice kidnapper, really that good? There were moments when she thought about returning the baby she renamed Alexis Kelly Manigo. But the fear, that crippling kind of fear, consumed Gloria. Then little Lexi would do something, say something, just be herself, and Gloria would fall more in love with her. And once again, that feeling that maybe she should return her to her real mother, to Shannara Mobley, was brushed aside. And then I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her. I fought with myself for so many years, thinking I could just bring her back, bring her back, bring her back. And I don't know, it would be something she do or something she say. And, and I just said, you know, I just... I just have to nurture her and I just, I don't know. I fought with myself for years with that question and to try to bring her back. Especially when she was, when I, I guess when it was first, when it first happened. Because I guess I didn't know what state of mind I was in. But Gloria never took her back to Jacksonville. She never took her back to Florida. She never turned herself in. And when it was clear the police might not be coming, 
Gloria took more active steps to cover her tracks, to make it harder for anyone to find out what she did in July 1998. Among the multitude of photos recounting the tender moments of Alexis and Gloria's life were other mementos meant to show a progression leading up to the birth of Alexis, to help cover the lies. There were photos of Gloria when she was pregnant, photos from a baby shower that Gloria's mother threw for her, and a Polaroid of Alexis when she was just weeks old. In that Polaroid, Alexis is cradled in the arms of her imposter mother. The little girl is in a stark white dress. Gloria is in acid-washed, light-colored jeans and a baggy yellow polo-style top. It was the kind of photo in most baby books, something Alexis could look back on later in life to understand what those first few weeks were like. There were other mementos, including some lies. One was a bassinet card. You know those cards placed on the front of bassinets in maternity wards so people, including nurses and doctors, don't mix up the newborns? This clearly altered bassinet card had the words Manigo Baby on it. And it was the very same type of bassinet card that was used at University Medical Center at the time Baby Kamai was stolen and Alexis Kelly Manigo was created. Over time, Gloria somehow managed to get a hold of a Social Security number of a Virginia man who died 15 years before she kidnapped a baby and raised her under a false identity. Gloria altered a birth certificate to say that she was the birth mother. Information from the bogus records, the birth certificate and social security information, were tucked into files at schools in the Colton County School District, where Alexis attended school. No one suspected a thing. No one suspected they were fraudulent. Would these bogus records do the trick later in Alexis's life? For those important transitions into adulthood? You know, like the documents you need to get a job, to get a driver's license, for a college application, a marriage license? Could the altered documents and social security number of a dead man do it? That day on the porch, when Alexis was supposed to start her job as Shoshone's cashier, was the day when Gloria came clean. The risk of seeing if the documents worked was too great, so she told her what she did. Gloria offered to turn herself in. No, said Alexis. She wanted things to stay as they were. Everything had been fine. She could hold off on a job. Some may call it blind loyalty, but she was a kid. And this life, this good, solid life, with the family she enjoyed being around, was all she knew. So Alexis didn't run to the police. She didn't tell anyone in authority. She didn't turn up on her real mother's doorstep. She kept the secret, Gloria's secret, or so it seemed. But Alexis was a teenager, and this was a heavy burden to keep. Could she really not tell anyone what Gloria did? Who she really was? been as easy for Gloria to keep her secret for so long if things had been different in Jacksonville 
and the rest of the country. If people continue to talk about baby Kamaya's kidnapping. But on December 6, 2000, just two and a half years after Kamaya was stolen, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office quietly suspended its search for Kamaya. The newborn's teenage mom, Shannara, says she was never told of this decision. A police detective wrote the following statements in the Kamaya Mobley case report on that day in 2000. Over 2,500 leads had been investigated. At this time, the victim, who was over two years old, has not been located. Throughout the investigation, thousands of subjects were interviewed. However, a suspect has yet to be identified. All evidence recovered at the scene has been provided to the FBI lab, where for over one year, processing has been in progress. No new information relating to the abduction has surfaced. Currently, viable leads are not materializing. Due to the current status of the case, with pending lab results, I recommend that the case be suspended until such time as all evidence has been processed or new information develops. That's it. The search was over. That same year, that year that Kamaya would have turned two, University Medical Center, the hospital where Kamaya was abducted, took back its offer for a $250,000 reward for her safe return after Shannara settled with the hospital. The story, a story that took the city of Jacksonville and beyond by storm in the steamy summer of 1998, stopped leading the news eventually. Headlines disappeared from the front page. Even the metro section of the local newspaper, the Florida Times Union, not too long after the year 2000. Other than on big anniversaries, like 2008, 10 years after Kamaya's abduction, the story faded from print and from the city's consciousness. The viewers from some 10.6 million households who watched the America's Most Wanted segments on the case did not bring this child home. Neither did police nor the FBI. Then oddly enough, in 2015, about the time Alexis learned she was Kamaya, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office reopened the case. They had received a tip. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children heard from a medical student at a psychiatric hospital in Columbus, Georgia. A patient there, born in 1998, believed she had been abducted. She also may have sickle cell, the med student told the center. Detectives from Jacksonville went to meet with the teen at the psych center. They talked to her. They took a DNA sample. Twelve days later, the DNA came back. It was not a match to Kamaya Mobley. Then on August 9, 2016, a detective from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office cold case squad received an email from the Missing Children's Center. Here's the gist of it. The caller graduated from Colton County High School in Walterboro in May 2016 with a peer named Alexis Kelly Manigo. The caller had known Alexis for two to three years. 
The caller said Alexis told a mutual friend she was kidnapped when she was a baby. Alexis told the friend that she had to go through lawyers if she wanted to get a job. That day, the cop made a call to the tipster to get more information. The tipster said the matter came up when Alexis and other girls were talking about going to college. Alexis said she had to wait to go to college because she had to go through lawyers, the officer was told. The tipster said their mutual friend filled in the details of the abduction. The tipster also told the cop the name of the woman who raised Alexis, Loria Williams. Also on that day, the sheriff's office learned that Alexis Kelly Manigo and Kamaya Mobley shared the same birthday, July 10th, 1998. And they found an address for Alexis. A specialist began looking for links between Gloria Williams and Jacksonville. By late August, the sheriff's office learned that there was no South Carolina birth certificate issued to Alexis. If the cop's case file is any indication of what was happening in real time, and it does appear to be detail-oriented and down to the minute, the case of Alexis Manigo, possibly being Kamaya, just stops on August 24, 2016. Two and a half months pass before another entry is added to the case file. On November 2nd, the very same detective in Jacksonville received another email from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in reference to case number 849-827, the Kamaya Mobley case. There was another tip. This one came from the ex-wife of a man named Wernowski Williams. That was Gloria Williams' husband. According to police documents, this tipster said Gloria admitted to taking the victim from a Jacksonville hospital and renaming her Alexis Kelly Manigo. Gloria and Alexis were living in Walterboro, South Carolina, the tipster said. According to the case file, another two months passed with no mention of the second tip or the first. That is, until January 5, 2017, when, according to case file notes, the detectives contacted the first tipster to see if there was any new information. Last year, a spokeswoman for the sheriff's office refused to answer questions regarding the lag time back then, and more recently, she refused to facilitate a sit-down or telephone interview with the detectives. But this much is known. According to the case file, police did begin to make their move when on January 9, 2017, they traveled to Walterboro, South Carolina, Walterboro, a quaint little town off Interstate 95. It's a hot spot for people traveling from New York and Florida. It's a place where the two tipsters said they could find Alexis and Gloria. Jacksonville police roamed Walterboro, a town typically devoid of big city problems. Using the phone number of the second tipster, they were able to match the phone to an address. They went there, but neither Judy Williams nor her daughter Erica Williams a stepsister to Alexis, were there. So the cops reached out to neighbors. The following day, the Jacksonville detectives met with local police and informed them of their investigation. Also that day, 
They got the documents at the school where Alexis graduated from. Then they went back to the home of the potential second tipster. Again, no one was there. In what appears to be a game of cat and mouse, they went to the home of Alexis's boyfriend after getting a tip she might be there. But she wasn't. So police left their information with the boy's mother. Then finally, months after the tip, police finally got to speak with Alexis's stepsister. And oh, did she have a story to tell. told police that Alexis herself told her she was Kamaya Mobley. Erica said Alexis didn't just tell her this, she went a step further. Just as Gloria had pulled up the image from the flyer when baby Kamaya was snatched, Erica said Alexis pulled up the same flyer to show her. Do you believe this is true? One of the detectives asked Erica. Yes, she said. Alexis doesn't really look like Gloria, the girl went on and she's never worked a day in her life. Gloria buys her everything, she continued. She pays for her hair and her nails. Her father, Gloria's husband, well, he even knew about the ruse, Erica told them. For police, it was starting to come together. Later on that day, on January 10th, the Jacksonville detectives learned that the Social Security number provided to the crime analyst was not Alexis's number, but rather one that belonged to a man named Morris Grogan. Morris was born in Virginia in 1939. He died in 1983. The analyst continued, there are no clear links between Morris Grogan and Gloria Williams. 43 minutes later, the Jacksonville detectives learned that the birth certificate was also bogus. This is not a South Carolina birth certificate. The code for our state is not 108. The state file number is a completely different person, according to the case file. Hmm, maybe Gloria hadn't covered her tracks so well after all. By now, one thing became crystal clear in this small town. The word was out. Police were coming for Gloria. Gloria's great big lie was unraveling. At 3.35 on that same day, one of the Jacksonville detectives in Walterboro received a phone call. It was a local attorney. I'm representing Gloria Williams and Alexis Manigo, he said. Shortly after that, the Jacksonville detectives tracked down Wernuski Williams, Gloria's husband. He agreed to come to the Walterboro Police Department to talk with detectives. Wernuski told them how he met Gloria at church seven years earlier. He told them how they dated about two years before getting married. The cop showed Wernuski the bogus documents from Alexis's school file. He didn't react. When asked about the kidnapping... He initially denied having any knowledge of it. What about Alexis's work history, they asked. She doesn't have a job, Wernesky said. What about the Shoney's job, the cop pressed. Wernesky caved. 
it was time to come clean. That is when Roneski told police he came home one night and Alexis and Gloria were sitting on the porch. Gloria was high, he said. She had a couple of beers. I have something to tell you, he said Gloria told him. She told him about the abusive boyfriend. She told him about her pregnancy and the miscarriage. She told him she had been depressed. Does Alexis know she was kidnapped? The cops asked Roneski. Yes, he said. I saw her on the phone getting her parents' information. I saw her on the phone getting the composite drawing, he said. Wineski went on to explain that after Gloria confessed, the two of them went to an attorney's office and told them what she had done. The attorney told Wineski to leave the room because he had nothing to do with this. The cop wanted to know when he and Gloria last spoke of the kidnapping. We don't really, he said only when she brings it up. And Warneski added one last thing. He said he saw his wife earlier in the day, before the cops had come for him, and she told him the police were in town. He told them he asked his wife if she knew why the police were coming by the house. Yeah, I know why, she said. They probably want to take me in. Police then called the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and asked if they had a DNA profile of Kamaya Mobley. Then, at 6.20 p.m. that night, the Jacksonville detectives were told that Gloria Williams and Alexis Manigo were in the lobby of the Walterboro Police Department. The detectives first met with Alexis. But Alexis didn't act like a victim. Instead, she was defiant. Gloria was her mother, she said. One of the detectives began to explain the missing person's case to her. Alexis, so cut to the chase. Look, let's just get to this, she told them. The detective told her about the tips given to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Alexis pressed for details on the tipster, male or female. The cop read her the tips. She showed no emotion. But why would she? She certainly wasn't surprised. For nearly two years, she was in on the secret. And clearly, she or Gloria told others. And then that secret was shared again. And possibly again. The detective asked if he could swab Alexis's cheek to get some DNA. No. Come back with a warrant, the teenager defiantly told him. A judge, however, was signing the warrant as they spoke. Gloria was calm. She was quiet. The cops began to tell her about their investigation. Do you have an arrest warrant, she asked. No, she was told. Then I don't wish to speak anymore, Gloria told them. My mom is not a kidnapper, and ain't nobody gonna tell me that, Alexis added, before the two of them left the police station. But that's exactly what Alexis was told. The DNA test was completed the following day. It was a match. Alexis Kelly Manigo was Kamaya Mobley. Now the police had their evidence, and they knew where Gloria was. 
she could be arrested at any moment. And while she had already told her husband, she needed to call her sons to tell them. And she had to tell her parents. Their health was frail, and she had been caring for them, so she had to prepare them. Eighteen years earlier, Gloria had shown up at her parents' doorstep with a surprise, baby Alexis. Now she and Alexis had another surprise. But unlike 18 years earlier, this time there would be no cause for celebration. Here is Gloria Brown recounting the way she learned the news about the child she knew only as her granddaughter. Her and Alexis came to the house and she told me that Alexis wasn't her child. And, uh, And it was just like a shock. I was I was sitting there, I don't know, reading or doing something, and she said, Ma, I want you to stop doing what you're doing. I got something to tell you. She said, I did something real bad. Um, Alexis is not my child. And we sat there for a minute, and then they left. It was just like a, 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 a nightmare, a dream or something. Alexis, too, was terrified. The secret they shared was unraveling. An arrest was imminent. So she told Gloria she had to do something. She wanted me to run. I told her I couldn't do that. I couldn't leave her. I couldn't. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have a life like that. I was already in this for too long and uh, the truth was going to come out. And so Gloria stayed in Walterboro. She dressed for bed. She called it a night. Dawn had yet to break on January 13th when police broke down the door to the home where Alexis, Gloria, and Warneski lived. It was 4.50 in the morning. Gloria was in her nightdress. A hair bonnet covered her head. She was led out of the house and into a police cruiser for the four-minute drive down the quiet streets to the Walterboro Police Station. Crime scene detectives began combing through the drawers and closets of Gloria, Wineski, and Alexis's tidy white house. Searching, digging, looking for clues as to what happened 18 and a half years ago and how it remained a secret all this time. At the police station, Gloria asked if there was a warrant for her arrest. They told her yes. I'd like my attorney then, she told them. By 5.40 that morning, Alexis, also in a nightdress and a hair bonnet, arrived at the police station after police tracked her down at the home of a friend. In a small office, where every word was caught on videotape, Alexis was brought in to see Gloria. As Alexis wiped tears from her eyes, Gloria wrapped her arms around her. Alexis held on tight to the only mother she had ever known, her abductor and she bawled. It's hard to make out every word on that recording, 
But what is clear is that Gloria tried to comfort Alexis. I'm investigative reporter Eileen Kelly, and you've been listening to a podcast produced by the Florida Times Union. Visit jacksonville.com forward slash Kamaya for more information about the case of the missing baby. That's jacksonville.com forward slash Kamaya, K-A-M-I-Y-A-H. There you'll find photos, videos, and original case documents. You'll also find the next episodes of this podcast as they become available. Or you can find episodes on Apple Podcast or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Research for this story came in part from official records from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, the State Attorney's Office of the Fourth Judicial Circuit of Florida, Court Records, Times Union Archives, First Coast News, and WJXT News for Jacks. This podcast is edited by Times Union editor Mary Kelly Polka. It is produced by digital director Gary Mills. Have You Seen Kamaya is made possible with support from advertisers and subscribers to the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. Learn more about how you can support our journalism at jacksonville.com forward slash subscribe now. Thank you for joining us.